Yeah, dude. Uh, you can say what you want. I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with like being racist or whatever. You know? Is it like recording? Um. Yeah, now it is. Okay, perfect. <laughs> Let's start it there. All right, yeah. what's up, guys? Uh, this is going to be uh, an episode, an episode. of yeah. the Monkeys with Microphones podcast. I'll tell you a little secret. We're recording it first. Yes. It's the first one we're recording. Yes. It probably won't be the first one. We're trying one. to be so smart about this. We're Yeah, geniuses. <laughs> Genius levels. Um, yeah, dude. Uh, I'm Jack. And I'm John. And we're going to just talk about some garbage, I guess. I don't yeah, really know. Yeah, we talk about garbage, bro. And this is like not the only thing that we do. Jack and I, we do a handful of things together. Mm. Like we just hang out. But we also like, <laughs> when we, we're also constructive with our time together. Professional hangouters. Professional hangouters, you know. Um, we were actually, the way that this whole thing got started is we were just sitting down one day. And we were like, hey, we should be more constructive with our time. And... And, and this and is the then we're not going to do that <laughs> at all. Um, actually, I actually think so. We're we're having a guest today. Yes, we are. Um, I think he's here. I think our our, our guest is yes, here. Um, he is here. Comedian. Comedian. Cocaine user. Cocaine user. Uh, wife divorcer. Wife ladies beater. And, <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't okay, think sorry, he did sorry, that. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, John Mulaney. <laughs> Bro, did you watch his special? I did. No, hold on. Can you no, sorry, shut sorry, up sorry. while John yes. enters the room? Yes, yes, yes. Hey, it's me, John Mulaney. <laughs> I think I'm better than everybody because I'm Jewish. Holy crap, guys. There's two John Mulaney's in oh, the room shoot, right now. There's shoot. two of I us. Dude, I totally... No, it's okay. This is my twin brother... <laughs> This is my twin brother, John Cocaine, and he does not use illegal substances. I do. So, John, can you? I know you talked a lot about it in your special, but can you tell us uh, some other deep, dark secrets about what rehab was like, and and what like, be, you know, being there was like? Did you meet any other cocaine people? <laughs> what, is a, what is a cocaine person? It's would you, you say you're one of them? You are oh. a cocaine person. Yeah, sorry. This is me, Jack. Anyway, sorry. So John Mulaney. Yeah, um, yeah. So yeah. John. Do you meet any other cocaine people at the rehab? Oh, yes. I met lots of cocaine people. <laughs> <laughs> I met lots of cocaine people. They were doing cocaine off of Koala Baby Changing Stations. Were they? <laughs> as you may have heard from my recent special about me doing cocaine. Were they also wife divorcers? Uh, no, just me. Just, just me. Everyone had a healthy marriage inside of rehab? Yep. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's great, bro. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, um, anyway, them, I have to go. Bye. Why? But why? You just got... All right, well, there goes uh, Jewish cocaine addict John Mulaney. Oh, uh, we should probably send out his twin brother, John Cocaine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bring him in here. Still Bring him here. in here. This is another guest. Hey, it's me, guys. John Cocaine. John Cocaine, do you have... A healthier marriage than than your twin brother John Mulaney? No. Okay, <laughs> I also have to go. Bye. <laughs> Can oh. you imagine? Um, what if he what if he's lying in his bits? You know like how he says he's got two best friends and they're also John's? Like there's three of them. Oh the yeah, yeah. What if it's just what if it really is just him? Oh, and he's just like schizophrenic. Yeah. Like he's just yeah, that'd be he good. just schizophrenic and and does coke. That's a volatile combo. I mean, at least 50% of those things are true. Yeah. That's a funny <laughs> bit, dude, is saying, like, listing things and, like, two out of three of them you know are true and being, like, at least two-thirds of these things are true. That's so true. Like, Joe Biden, like, e eats ice cream, is old, Yep. has 
intimate times with dogs. At yeah. least two thirds of these. Two things thirds are of true. Uh, dude, if it and smells like a fish, which <laughs> yeah. it looks like a fish, then it probably is, it a, is fish. a fish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. If Joe Biden, no, better question, Jack. <laughs> if you were a fish, what type of fish would you be? Um, I would be a walleye because okay. I think they're cool. Okay. I don't. I don't know any fish because I. I have a girlfriend, so I don't really <laughs> know a lot about you, fish. You don't. You. What do you mean? You don't know a lot. I don't know about a lot fish. about fish. I'm not like a big fish guy, I guess. So like I like I know I could list some types of fish, but I'm not sure I could list all of the fish that you know. Uh, um, Dude, if you get ten, I'm gonna be blown away. Yeah, actually. Yeah, I could get ten. Okay, you get ten fish. Okay. Name ten right now. Tuna. Okay. Perch. Okay. Walleye. That's good. Salmon. Oh the, boy! The other ones. <laughs> Hold on. Oh boy! Hold on. What We're are, about like, to cap uh, out at four. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, there's like some other ones. There's yeah, the there's ones that like of... fly. Is that like yes. a flying fish? Dude, I'm gonna give you that one because flying fish, fish. Yes. Is that I what mean, it's called? Uh, some yes. I'll give you that. So okay. that's five. So we're at five. Mahi mahi. That's a type of tuna. Oh. But I'm gonna give it to you because oh, I don't know. I don't know if like you're gonna make it. Uh, I don't think it's likely swordfish. That's yep, the type of that, fish. Yep, swordfish is real. Um, I feel like I'm missing like a real basic. There's fish. so many basic ones you're missing. Cod. Right? Yep. Dude, you're so close. I am really. I'm at eight. Yeah. This is good content. This is this a good is, podcast. This is awesome. <laughs> Can we get everybody drop down in chat that doesn't exist if you think we're gonna get to ten fish. Dude, I can subscribe to get to ten fish. Everyone's saying you're not gonna get to ten fish. Uh, this is this is horrible. This is horrible news. <laughs> dude, maybe I should have asked John Mulaney. Dude, uh, to, to I wonder if he's still here. Me, <laughs> should we ask it? Should we go uh, see? I if, don't know if he knows really any of the fish that hey, I don't is, know. Hey, I feel is like, John still here? Uh, is John still here? Can we? Why, John? You're still here. Yes, dude. My friend Jack, who's sitting right here in front of me. And you're also sitting right here in front of me. Is uh, he's struggling, man? He's got he needs to get ten fish, and he's at eight. Can you just name two fish, please? Okay, I'm sitting back down and I'm thinking of fish. Okay, you just need two. You you're a creative guy. You can do this. I am not on mind altering substances you're right not- now, and that makes it very difficult <laughs> to list fish. You only need two. You need two fish. Just think about fish you can get at your supermarket. Or fish from movies. Flounder. <laughs> <laughs> that would be one fish. You just need one more, John. You can do this. And tilapia. <laughs> That's there you go. ten fish. Dude, you guys named all of the white fish that you can get at your local Thank you. That's the only kind I like. John, thank you for your time. Um, If you wouldn't mind just putting your shirt back on before you leave, that would be wonderful. No. Okay. I have to go now. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye. Dude, what a nice guy. He really helped you out. Yeah. That was awesome. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised you didn't get uh, tilapia. What was it? Flounder? <laughs> Flounder? <laughs> I'm surprised you couldn't have gotten those. Yeah. I mean, tilapia is like probably one of the main ones that I actually eat. Too, yeah. So that was like rough. Do you actually eat fish though? Yeah. And it's like you're a fish person? Like, well, I mean, like, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I prefer to order it at a restaurant. I don't cook it a ton. How do you order fish when you order it? Just like order. What do you mean? Well, like, okay, like, like, do you order like a salmon fillet or do you order like a fish sandwich that's fried? Uh, it's usually gonna be like 
Actually, like fish tacos are probably oh, the dude. most yep. frequent okay. way no, dude, I order fish. Fish tacos are – there's a place that I'm going to have to take you to. That's like right down the street that does awesome okay. fish tacos. Yeah. yeah. I'm not going to promote them because they should pay me first. <laughs> okay. Before it seems I, fair before and I, reasonable. Well, now that that's over, we're going to actually welcome our real guest to the show real today. Guest. Yeah. Um, real guest, real person, yeah. even though – I, well, I think doing cocaine makes you less of a real person. So this this is a person who has certified not done cocaine. That's a good person. Um, yeah, it's it is my honor. <laughs> it's my honor to introduce our very first guest. He is a, a brilliant touring poet with albums like "It's All Joy," "Sidewalk Hymns," and "The Leftover Hymns." And he is a multi talented poet, cook, writer, filmmaker, and host of the podcast Midnight Facts. Uh, my dear friend Chris John Mulaney. <laughs> John Mulaney. Hey oh me. my John God! Again. It's John Mulaney. No, John, get we back lied. in the closet. Get out of here. Get a, right. back in the closet. Okay, bye again. He has to keep watching the desk. If he doesn't keep watching the desk, <laughs> anyone's gonna come in here and start recording, bro. Okay. Anyway, sorry. Anyway, so my friend Chris Bernstorf. Chris, welcome. Hey, <laughs> dude, we're so glad you're here. Um, honestly, like, I, we, you already know this for real, but like, <laughs> doing something like this is something that I've wanted to do for a super long time. And every time I picture it, I always picture like I'm gonna interview this person, this person, and Chris. Uh, like for real. Like I, I'm not making that up. This is something that I've wanted to do for a long time. Low and standards? I'm, no, not low standards at all, bro. You are the man, dude. Um. So, so yeah, but some of our guests that are going to listen to this show um, might not know who you are. So, tell us who you are in the best way that you think you can describe. I'm a human being. Mm -hmm. That's probably good. That is good. <laughs> um, no, I'm a... Uh, I, I do a bunch of stuff. Uh, I love Jesus. I'm a person. I really like poetry and punk rock. Uh, I'm a, been a touring spoken word poet uh, since... 2010 mm -hmm. uh, and that's just a really elaborate uh, too many words way to say that I sleep on a lot of floors and I'm impossibly poor and unknown um, and then I do some other art projects with my wife we made some short films uh, do this podcast called the midnight facts uh, <laughs> <laughs> which we're gonna talk about because it's so good dude and I, uh, I make cocktails and uh, I work in a kitchen um, yeah and I, I just started another well, I, I committed to a project uh, like a week ago. Oh wow! Yeah, I don't know if I. I don't know if I can talk about it. Really? I don't know who will tell. Really? <laughs> like you don't know if you can talk about it? I, I mean, I'm just helping a friend with a with a thing they're working on. Um, so I'm do some editing that I'm very excited about. Cool. Um, horrifically bad at talking about myself. So I think, well, that's okay. I think I've done it all. Well, let me let me help you out. <laughs> so if someone searches you up on Spotify. Your, I didn't tell you this, so I'm sorry. But if someone searches you up on Spotify, your bio reads, uh, some of the highlights are, crowd surfing and pylons might be some of the last things that you would expect from poetry, but Chris Bernstorff is not poetry as most would expect it. Um, 
having performed well over 500 shows in 47 states and six countries, he finds himself equally at home in the middle of a metal show or living room and has developed a reputation for breaking down the barriers between himself and the audience, which I think is so true. But I'm wondering how much of those stats that I just read are like, I'm not saying you're a liar, <laughs> but like which three states have you not performed in? Uh, it's 48 now. Okay. Uh, I okay. Have, I got to update Spotify. <laughs> Yeah, these are these are important stats, bro. The people uh, gotta know. <laughs> I'm I'm short Nebraska and Maine. Those are my okay. only two. Yeah, that seems extremely reasonable. Yeah, Ma- yeah. Ma- Maine's up there, bro. Y- you would think that it would be easier to do. I was able to get Alaska and Hawaii before I got Nebraska and Maine. But, so where know. did you perform in Hawaii? Um, I played at a bar. It's called like I don't know. I feel like Down and Beat are involved. I played with this really sick band called Earl Grey. They're so good. They have uh-huh. an album called Bisextile, and it rips. Um, no one cared about me at all. I made a single dollar. But, but Dude, the, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. But the, I did meet a couple nice people, and then the, the people that had me was this group called Failed Orbit Records, and they were super kind and let me stay in their apartment for two days. And, yeah, I played a show <clears> in Hawaii, and my friend was working for an airline, and she just got me there for free, which was incredible. Dude, that's yeah. a, that was going to be my next question. You really, <laughs> you really flew for free to Hawaii? Yeah, yeah. That's a huge deal. Yeah, God's so good. I, um, I accidentally got myself booked on this festival in Poland in 2016, and I had, like, I, we, me and my friend Andrew had tried to go to Europe, and it, like, didn't work out, ran out of time, but this fest hit me up, and was like hey you should come and i was like okay can you pay for me and they were like no but if you get to the border we'll pay for it from there <laughs> okay it's like okay and so i just prayed and was like well god you got to do this because this like i could have afforded it but it would have been a, like a quarter of all the money i had in the world for like a single gig sure and i was like this is stupid um but then my friend worked for american and she was just like hey i got a buddy pass for a boyfriend don't have one not weird for you not weird for me and so then for a year and a half i flew internationally just for taxes and domestically for free yeah so i flew to uh, hawaii and alaska for free because of my friend's hard work and generosity bro that's awesome it was tight yeah it was very very cool did you so i like to whenever people travel um, I like to ask him this. I had a friend who just went to Warsaw, and um, I try to I try to ask this question whenever I know people are are traveling to either faraway places in the U.S. or internationally. Did you have anything weird to eat at all? Like like I try to get the flavor of the town um, vicariously. You know oh, what I'm saying? And, and literally, he tastes yeah. all of the towns <laughs> yeah. that he goes. To all of the streets taste different. Yeah, um, amazing. You just do you just give it a lick or yeah? Okay, yeah. Sick, yeah. Sick. You start to develop like <laughs> profiles. You know? <laughs> oh, yeah. No, that, that makes sense. That makes yeah. sense. Thank you. Um, shoot. Well, I can't think of anything crazy. I feel like I must have eaten something strange. Um. Garbage plates in Rochester, New York are wild. Uh, they're just like a pile of things on white bread. Um, and then I did, uh, I didn't know what yerba mate was, and I also could yeah. not read the label. And so I was at this festival in Germany, and I, <laughs> I had two, like, I don't know, like 20 or 30 ounce bottles of yerba in a row, because I was like, oh, this is pretty good. And they're yeah. just like in the green area. Uh, and then I was just like, 
buzzed out of my mind on yeah. caffeine and I yeah. thought I was gonna like disintegrate and shrivel and die. Yeah. <laughs> I had never had so much caffeine at once. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, that was a that was a weird experience. But now I know that I like well yeah, you guys like yeah, but it's sitting right here. Yeah. I uh I actually don't know how real this company is. I'm drinking one of them I think it's you say I think it's pronounced Gayaki. Uh, I really like this company they're great the, yeah. mi- the mint ones are the best ones in my opinion nice though. I do like the mint ones yeah. yeah I've never had this one before and this is good but I would rather be drinking the mint one because the mint one is so good it is I like it so much so so what's the difference between the real thing I don't think I've ever had the real thing oh I mean I had a I think I had a similar product it was just carbonated um, oh I, yeah okay. yeah so they just had all of these bottles of water and they were all in German and I had no idea and then I yeah. was like what is this tea thing and I drank it and I was like this is pretty good and they only had uh, I couldn't tell the difference between bubbly water and regular water until sure. I opened it I felt like a jerk just like continuously <laughs> 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 which so, one is this <laughs> so I went, went for Yerba and uh, yeah it was uh, horrifying and then great yeah, <laughs> yeah no, cool. I really like Yerba yeah, yeah. Dude, I like this I, 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 I think it's good that's it. Yeah. That's all I have to think about it. Oh, and also, um, I'm so sorry. There's Duner in Germany. Duner is the best thing in the world. What's Duner? It's this, like, Turkish street food, and it's, like, meat that's on a cone, and then they shave it into a pita, and they put some vegetables on it. You just, essentially, you just give them, like, three euros, and they give you, like, a day and a half worth of food just, like, in your hand. Dude, that's awesome. It's so good. Amanda, my wife, uh, looked up how the meat cone is produced. Not great. Um, so, it's... A like, little, ethically, or, like... Well, it's just sort of, like... Oh, it's, it's all sorts of meat, and it just like made yeah. into a cone, and then meat doesn't come in a cone, but it's always spinning in the window, and they just okay it. now okay yeah dude it's that's really wild. good though yeah I would eat that I love it and it's so cheap it's like one of the cheapest ways to eat in Germany that sounds good yeah and they're always open cool I mean so to follow up Johnny's food question <laughs> on sort of a related note um. How many seagulls would have to show up in your house before you would be like, someone is putting seagulls in my house? Like, how many would be too many? Very important stuff. Three. Three? Because yeah. at two, you'd be like, this was this just happened, but three <laughs> would be the line. Yeah, yeah. Three, because one's a fluke, and then two, I'm like, okay, I live by a river, maybe, but then uh-huh. three or more, I got to contact I mean, somebody. what if they, like, <laughs> nested? So it's like... Yeah, but they don't Could. reproduce that quickly, I don't think, right? I mean, I, I actually don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I've, I've never, never reproduced with <laughs> one, so <laughs> I, I don't know. No, that's fair. I mean, the geese at the park, or I live by Elizabeth Park in, Trent, in Trenton, Michigan. I don't yeah. know where you're listening from. Yeah, bro, <laughs> you just doxed yourself super hard. <laughs> yeah, I guess come put seagulls in my house. <laughs> but the geese there do grow at an alarming rate, and there's all sorts of like yeah. age groups. Yeah, Dude, and like this is not like secret knowledge but they're mean bro yeah they're mean i mean i get it they got kids they're out in public there's no housing yeah yeah that's so (laughs) (laughs) it's kind of true for every other animal though yeah they're mostly like nicer Uh, uh, that's fair i don't know if they get a pass that's fair yeah 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 you're still responsible even if you're you're you've got reasons it's very true yeah yeah if you're homeless it's probably your fault well, Whoa. I don't know. <laughs> Whoa. I'm, just, I'm just kidding. That's, uh, I don't know. That's exactly what Chris said. <laughs> pretty close, though. Well, Chris, uh, you rock, man, and I think that you're extremely talented. Um, when would you say that you? 
What what was like your awakening moment? Like, yeah, I have to commit my life to poetry in a way. Not you know, not trying to put words in your mouth, <laughs> but like, but like the part of my brain that should understand poetry, at least in like a very classical way, is just like not there. <laughs> so so I I feel like I'm stunted in my growth a little bit. So when was it that poetry was like? Now I'm fully captivated. Um, there's two moments probably. Uh, so I'm from, man. I guess like MTV is not a thing. I don't know how to properly contextualize this. To me, it's like MTV. Yeah. Um, when I was a, I'm I'm from like a, a suburb of Washington D.C. Like my family's not rich, but we're definitely not poor. And uh, I went to the like sort of like MTV like cartoonishly attractive high school, and everyone just like is smart play sports you go to college you do all that um and i just like really uh deeply 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 bought the uh like the american dream rhetoric of like you work hard and then you go change the world and everyone will be so excited for you to change the world like all the posters on the wall it's like aim for the moon if you miss you'll land among the yeah, stars yeah. i was like yes sir and so the cat like, poster just hang on <laughs> yeah it's garfield yeah it's always garfield, garfield. Believe it or not, that was Jim Davis's real inspiration. <laughs> that poster <laughs> for creating Garfield, dude, and he's changing the world every day. Yeah, yeah. So I wanted to do that, and yeah. I went to college, and I went to my advisor, and I was like, "Hello, I'd like to change the world." And they were like, "You idiot!" <laughs> just like Jim Davis. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just, just like, like Jim Davis. Just like Jim Davis. I want to change the world. And my teacher was like, "I mean, they didn't say this, but essentially, it was like you're a fool." Um, don't you ever dream ever again that was a lie to just like get you to behave in school and apply yourself for tests uh the world is so scary you immediately need to seek safety at all costs yeah uh and find a job and a career and don't you ever dream again because you will die okay and i was like oh my gosh and so i cried and this guy's like oh, i'm not paid for this <laughs> like 18 like year old kid crying in front of a history teacher um and I was like, I don't know what to do with myself. And so I just like was at college is where I'm from. If you do well in school, you go to college. And I had like made up that I was going to be a museum curator or something. But yeah. I interned in a museum and I was like, this sucks. It's so lonely. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. And there's no one to talk to you. Um, sure. So I just like took classes and then I took this intro to creative writing class for kicks. Just like I liked writing poetry. It wasn't like a like a Troy Bolton thing. Like I played sports and I just also wrote poetry and I never told anyone, but I like wasn't embarrassed. It was just uh -huh. like this thing I did for myself to like process mm -hmm. or whatever we all do with art. Yeah. Uh, so I took this class and I felt like God did a really special thing where I just had this like weird, I had no experience with art. I hadn't been within like a thousand miles of a poem <laughs> except for writing at home alone. And I, uh, I just knew how hard it was going to be. I don't know why I did, but I did. And I took this class and it was super tough, but I just loved it so much. And I felt so alive. And one day after class, this table just like appeared in my mind and everything on it cleared. And it was just like, I have to be a poet. And there's just this very calm sentence. And I was like, okay, disembodied voice sounds good. And I remember like walking down the stairs and I was like, that's it. I'm yeah. going to be a poet. And it was so calm. And I think it was God just being like, this is it. Um, and then later, like a bit later, I fell in love. Like I was in love with music already and I thought I liked music first, but I really been writing longer. But I, uh, this guy, Bradley Hathaway, uh, like this site, Indie Vision Music, um, it's still around. They don't do as much, but it's mm -hmm. like Christian underground music. And 
they were hyping this Bradley Hathaway guy and I listened on MySpace uh, and I was like, this is terrible and I never want to hear it again. Yeah. <laughs> but, but then like two weeks later, it had just like hooked me in this weird way and I was mm. like, maybe I'll, I want to try this again. I want to hear it again. And I Googled him or whatever and I saw this YouTube video for a poem called Manly Man uh, and it just like took me by the throat and yeah. it like stared me in the eye and I could not look away. And that was when I was like, oh, spoken word rips. And those kind of two moments were like what, like, uh, I don't know, hardened. What, yeah. Made, what, yeah, like made me be like, this is it. This is where everything coalesces and I'm going to be a poet. Yeah. So, how long was it between those moments that you were writing something that you wanted to perform or proud enough of to perform? Um,. <laughs> so I, I have this poem called Plan B, um, and it's on this really old album called Move. Um, and I wrote that uh, really early. like That was like my first intro to creative writing class, first poem. Mm-hmm. And then I just wrote a bunch of garbage for like, <laughs> like a long time. Dude, we know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that was just like a weird freak, like God kindness or something to be like, here's something that's good uh or at least like doesn't suck and then that was like the first one that i was like oh i want to perform this and then i i had like a couple more and uh for a while i was just doing like four i think um and then i just like kept writing for class and then eventually like worked them into the the live set i guess yeah Yeah, as i like started performing more okay that makes sense that's good so plan b can people listen to that right now? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, where, where Spotify, Apple Music. Spotify. Just, yeah. It's on streaming. We'll do a huge plug camp. at the end as yeah, well. Yeah, like, But, like, that's still out there for people to listen to. Yeah, yeah. I try to keep everything out there. I've never pulled anything because I think it's really important to uh, for people to be able to, like, see the development of an artist that they like. Yeah. Um, because because we all grow and change and we all suck and then you get better and and i think that poem's legit good but like we try to just keep everything out there yeah forever mm. yeah okay that makes sense that's good yeah that's a cool way to look at it i don't do that at all I really, <laughs> really yeah we're ashamed of our work because i don't want to be embarrassed i don't want people <laughs> to point at it and be like you made something bad yeah um so anyway like to follow that up so we all know <laughs> <laughs> Johnny's laughing because he knows that his interview questions are garbage, and I'm asking the real questions. That's so true. The people need to know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so anyway, we all know that the CIA killed Martin Luther King Jr. How does your poetry sort of fit in with that? Whoa. Actually, thank you so much for asking. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm unable to comment specifically on who killed Martin Luther King Jr. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not surprising what you said. Yeah. Um, no, but I, uh, <laughs> so it's really scary. Um, I, I was a very loud 20 something person and I'm trying to be less loud and less arrogant and less stupid. Um, yep. I also, I, uh, that, and I, I really love punk rock with all my heart. Uh, I <laughs> am sort of perpetually annoyed and dissatisfied with like self celebratory 21 year olds playing punk in their garage and saying they're anti-government but they just like work capitalist jobs and play their punk music and then get careers yeah because it's so tone deaf so true yeah i would never do that yeah good thing, <laughs> good thing we haven't done that yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's just really... we would never do that. 
I mean, I, and I've done that too. Uh, so like, I, I just think the real thing is like, uh, ethical consumption and capitalism is not possible, right? You just like do the best you can. Yeah. Um, and I'm just trying to be more nuanced about it. Yeah. Uh, however, I, I have tried to write stuff that like, hopefully like kindly, but f- firmly battles the like, uh, Christian evangelical war machine industrial complex yeah, um, and yeah uh the the cia and the united states government like did uh topple democratically elected leaders and mm. mm-hmm. do a variety of evil things around the world and that mm-hmm. uh should and must be divorced divorced from the name of christ and uh i try to be honest about that not because i'm a really smart historical expert but rather uh, I just like can't be a part of that stuff, and and my like faith in Christ is really important, and I can't, yeah, I can't, I can't mess with that, and I don't want other people to because uh, yeah. uh, nationalism's idolatry, and the flag is a false god. Yeah, um, true. Um, could not agree more. So where were uh, you on April fourth, nineteen sixty eight? Dude, I just want to like for the, for, <laughs> for the listeners because they can't see and I can. While Chris was talking about that, I watched Johnny Google. Martin Luther King Jr. And then it was he did Google date of death so he could do that bit. But at first I thought he was just like looking up Martin Luther King Jr. <laughs> um, no, but thanks. Uh, it was incredible that you spun an answer yeah. out of that question. I expected yeah, you to like, kind of just go like about how ultimately uh, God is the most okay. important. And then like not answer it. But that was cool that you did. Yeah. Um, uh, thank you so much. Dude, I, I told you he was hip, bro. No, he is. <laughs> I told you. Um, so I mean, and also further nuance, if yeah. you're a troop or anything, I respect the heck out of you. I just like the weird Christian like worship of the American agenda has got to go and yeah, not so a true. part of that. I, I really agree. That stuff's so hard to talk about. This guy I know just posted two of his friends were killed fighting in Ukraine because mm-hmm. they're Americans and they just went to help. And like that is beyond me and like no no words to say to anybody like that yeah. i just uh i hate the like uh kill foreign brown people in the name of god sort of like i can't no, i can't be a dude. part of that monkeys with microphones endorses the troops we are yeah. about, we're not afraid to say it we're, <laughs> we are about the troops yeah chris bernstorff in it in, in i almost said enforces in it endorses the troops bro so yeah. that's good man no, that that was brilliant. Uh, it's hard to talk about that stuff. Yeah, it is hard, but you really you just did that with we eloquence, did. and oh, I really like. And that's honestly one of the things that I respect about you most is like I don't understand poetry, but the way that you think and you speak and the way that you look at the world is so unique, and somehow you really just find the absolute best way to portray the way that you think about the world, um, and I just don't understand it. So like, so can you explain to me how you just come up with what it is that you write? Because I've been thinking about this for such a long time. Um, Pretty much since we met. I don't remember the first time we met, but I remember the first time I heard your albums and I was like, how is this even possible? There's so many words. Yeah. Um, 
Well, I'm really influenced by uh, Matthew Dickman, and he's sort of this like neo New York school writer, and like the the OG New York school is Frank O'Hara, and some of the Frank O'Hara poems I've read, I think are I did not like, um, but <laughs> Frank O'Hara has this like really like flowy stream of consciousness kind of writing. He has a poem called "Having a Coke with You," which rips, oh. and I think John Mulaney was like a huge fan. Yeah, of Yeah, 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 dude, he loves the poem <laughs> "Have a Coke with You." <laughs> <laughs> Dude, should we ask? Should we? No, we don't have that. No, that. he's. You need a buzzer. Yeah. Sort of. <laughs> like a, a the Mulaney buzzer. Yeah. Hey, someone get that coke addict in here. I'm just kidding. Anyway, um, but uh, Dick O'Hara, uh, uh, have a coke with me. Yeah. So I really like Frank O'Hara and uh, Matthew Dickman, and I think their style is really evident. Most people don't know who they are. So then, dude, did I say Dick O'Hara? You did. That's fine. What's his real name? Frank. Frank O'Hara. Wow. Yeah. It's, the K, it's, it's the K. It's the K. Yeah, that's that's kind of messed up. It's a slant, bro. Run. Frank O'Hara, have a coke with me. I'm sorry, this is the last. I'm gonna interrupt you like this. No, you're fine. I don't mind. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is so fun. Um, yeah, I really like their poems, and I uh, between that and uh, Walt Whitman, and then um, I don't always like connect to Walt Whitman, but he like did a lot for poetry in terms of like what was allowed stylistically. Like essentially, like there's like the stuff that everyone reads in school is really old that everyone hates and then there's Walt Whitman and he just like opened the form up completely and then yeah. like all things that rock like happen because that dude wrote Lisa Grass yeah um, maybe that's an overstatement but it's really important and then T.S. Eliot um, yeah so like uh, I think like the T.S. Eliot has this poem called The Wasteland that's like the one I've only read The Wasteland and, and J. Alfred Prufrock I'm, I'm a fraud mm-hmm. um, but like The Wasteland is like I think it's this like grand argument for uh, that we like need a Christ-like savior. Yeah, uh, and it was before he was a Christian, but I think that's like what the poem comes to. And the I, I the way I look at the poem is is him sort of like I think there's this like song playing like this like grand universal song, and it's like God's truth, and and we're all as artists like listening to the world and like listening to this song, and then we're like taking all the pieces of everything that's around us and that we experience and we're trying to like cut them and sample them like a DJ would in the right order to like replicate the song that's playing. Yeah. And I feel like that's like what he's doing. Cause the wasteland is just like full of references. It's like so thick and it, and it gets to a point where he's like, yeah, like scarcity feels like writing. He's just like yeah. clipping stuff from all over the world. And it's like, we're going to reference Tristan Isidore and we're going to reference the street in Paris. And now we're going to reference this like, and it's everywhere. Yeah. And he like goes to the Eastern religion and Western religion. It's like all cutting up to like make this point. And I think that idea of like cutting and pasting, like was really freeing and cool for me. It's like a lot of my writings, like really uh, like referential. Yeah. And my wife was really upset because I, I she I was like talking to her about a poem and she was like wait that's what that means and I was like oh yeah it's just like it's just like a reference to some obscure thing that like yeah. only matters to me and she was like that's that's so annoying like no one will get that and I was like oh no it's okay it's like well it doesn't it, yeah it's, it's just your there. poem yeah, like, you yeah. can do what you want it's just there <laughs> like, yeah yeah uh, so I think that stuff is like the the nuts and bolts and then I think like the spiritual side is just I just pray and ask God what to say and try to write uh, what's on my heart um, or just like what I feel like really need to say like somebody a long time ago put the idea in my head of like oh if, when it was when you're doing creative writing classes you have to write like a poem a week or whatever it's like yeah. a lot of content to generate and you're if you're like stuck on what to write it's like oh like if you're gonna die like literally right now like what is the one thing you would say and like mm-hmm. that kind of like pulls stuff out of me yeah yeah well, it's very obvious. You really do 
I think all of those things that you just talked about, you really capture super well in your work. And it's very, it's very obvious that everything that you're thinking is stuff that you wear on your sleeve. Like you, you really mean it, whether you're listening or watching you live, bro, you mean it. And I think that's beautiful, especially when you're like not afraid to tackle topics that are hard. Like, why are we here? Or <laughs> why do I believe in God? Yeah. Or even something stuff as simple, not as simple. Cause it's not simple. But stuff like even just the stuff that you write about Amanda, like, like, I think geography is probably the most brilliant love anything Aww. that I've ever heard. You're I gonna love brilliant. Frank O'Hara, okay, <laughs> dude. That dude, I want a top ten Frank O'Hara, like, yeah. as soon, like as soon as I can, bro. Yeah. Like that sounds awesome. Um, but dude, like you, I think you're talented. I think everything you do is brilliant. Um, but you do a lot. You, it, poetry is not your only thing. You obviously also run um, your own podcast called The Midnight Facts. And I think it's so funny. And and when you're talking about like, hey, no one's going to understand this referential stuff. I'm like, this is... You really have your finger on the pulse of yourself, bro. Um, tell, us, tell us about The Midnight Facts. Let me get one more real serious thing in because it yeah. popped in my head. There's yeah. this lady, Francois Godot, I think. Mm -hmm. She did a bunch of paintings, and I was in New Orleans wandering around with a friend and uh, just on tour sometime, and uh, we walked into this art gallery, and we asked if we could look, and, and the lady's like, yeah, 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 and you, know, you, never, you might want to buy something, and we're like, absolutely not. Like We're sleeping in bunk beds at a church that sure. houses homeless people. Like, yeah. like yeah. We're definitely not going to buy anything. She was like, you never know. She hit it with. She hit us with the realtor nudge. Like, yeah, yeah. Or, 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 or. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like that John Mulaney thing. Yeah, we were talking about having the kids in the house. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, there's, there's like an exhibition on this lady, Francois Cadeau, and uh, she had this quote that she made these giant banners. Uh, and I don't really care about the banners that much, but like the, the contextualization of them was that like my my banners are like uh, to like oh they're like a war against apathy and despair yeah. and I think that I hope that some of the poems I write uh, are are like the songs and I mean like hardcore is very much that way but like so many songs I grew up with were like what carried me through hard times and so I think yeah. when I write poems like hopefully it's me trying to tell myself something that to remind myself of the truth and, and hopefully like give people language that they can remind themselves of it um, you know, like when the Israelites are in the desert, like anytime God does something, they just like put up a monument. Yeah. Like, so they can remember. And like hopefully the, the poems are like a way for me to remember for myself. And yeah. Maybe other people will too. Yeah. That's so true. And funny story about that specifically in the Israelites. When I was young and didn't understand the Bible uh, and didn't understand that those stories are like thousands and thousands and thousands of years old, Moses or Joshua, whoever's writing, would cap it off with, and that altar stands there to this day. And I'm like, whoa. Like no same same like they like they can't find Noah's Ark, but <laughs> but this monument's still there, yeah. you know? Um that's beautiful. That's a beautiful way to put it. Uh, your, your work. Uh, uh props Francois Godot. Yeah. Probably saying her name wrong. That's that's okay. It's okay. The French, French are they're not type. people, really. <laughs> she's gone. She won't yeah. hear. She won't sure. hear. She she's not gonna come after you. The people aren't gonna come after you. <laughs> it's fine. And cool. now, unfortunately, the midnight facts. <laughs> <laughs> no, dude, the midnight facts is dope. Um, no, that was, that was going to be my question. I was, Johnny told me you had a podcast, and I just wondered if it was as bad as this one. 
Yeah. Uh, probably worse. Uh, it's the Midnight Facts is your number one source for untrue information. Mm-hmm. It's hosted by Alexander Graham Bell. Yep. No relation, no relation. to that. No <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to the actual Alexander Graham Bell. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just uh, I just spin ridiculous yarns and present them as sincere and dry facts. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I love it. I did give it a listen on the way here, and I didn't even. I listened to the the Arby's one, and then like <laughs> I I didn't even listen to the episode, but the one titled Miss Frizzle v Board of Education like actually made me laugh out loud. I thought that was so funny. But yeah. God, I'm so glad. No, yeah. Good. Good. Consider me a fan now. Oh, praise God, we did it. <laughs> no, really, like. It's awesome. It's awesome. It's so good. Like, we'll sit here for hours with so many people and even just ourselves, and I don't think that we'll ever be able to come up with something as funny as uh, number 10, do not rip this tag off unless you want to be prosecuted in Wisconsin. (laughs) Like, that's so good. Three of those are quotes from the O.J. Simpson trial. Yes. Oh, my gosh, dude. Oh, Sorry, if it for, don't fit, you must acquit yeah, yeah. is freaking brilliant. For the Arby's slogans, I like I clipped from like, I don't know. Oh, I clipped from Heart of Darkness, which is this like book I've never read. <laughs> but it's some like all the AP English kids at high school were like really wow. upset they had to read it. Joseph Conrad was like English was his third language, but he's considered like a seminal English author. Uh-huh. Really smart dude. So I just clipped some really intense like passage from that about <laughs> you'll like never be able to like accurately put words to the spirit of your time. And also junior roast beefs are two for five. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so pleased. (laughs) It's really brilliant. If you're listening to this right now, uh, I would love if you would just hit pause and go listen to um, the five Midnight Facts episodes whose titles intrigue you the most because they will deliver. (laughs) They they are so great. (laughs) I I think it's it's so fun to make, and I like will just like sit in our little office and I try. I have to make them in a hurry sometimes, but I'll just like cackle to myself like very freakishly (laughs) Amanda will just like hear me and and then think I'm a nerd for like thinking that it's so funny yeah Yeah, like Miss Frizzle v. Board of Education I was like I was so pleased with that (laughs) no it's good that one's good somebody pointed out to me I don't know if it's like an internet oh yeah I don't know if it's an internet thing or what but we just like realized like wait a minute they never sign a permission slip this woman is just taking yeah. these kids. She went inside one of her students with yes. other students. Yes. There's like, there's like no discussion of like, like parental involvement. I, I don't even no. know if that boy is like able to say like, no, please don't this, look at this my small sor- <laughs> This <laughs> sorcerer woman is, is, <laughs> is so irresponsible. And the yeah. bus, I just like got such a kick out of the idea of like the bus being this like, horrific freak like she had tried to do something on a student to like yeah. do an experiment but it goes horribly wrong <laughs> yeah. now this bus is like horribly deformed and like wants to die <laughs> like <laughs> That was such a dude. There's so many crazy shows from that time period, bro. Yeah, there's yeah. So when you like start, shows. when you just like pause for a second, you're like, wait, whoa, yeah, whoa, whoa, like, yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, John Mulaney uh, yeah. pointing out Back to the Future, and you're like, whoa, yeah, whoa. seriously, like, dude. And we replay first down. <laughs> it just, it's just we consume. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> it's insane. Yeah, just like the blind, and like everyone's just cool with it. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. 
that was my experience with foie gras in France or in Spain. Yeah, you guys know what foie gras yes. is. Yeah, I, not a. I I it's don't illegal here because I'm poor. So I never had it, but my friend took us to this Basque restaurant where they just like serve everything on toasts, and we got this thing, and it was good. And we were like, "What is this?" And they were like, "Foie gras," and we we're like, "What's that?" And she was like, "Oh yeah." They, so they like a farmer takes a duck and just or duck. Yeah, it's a duck. duck force feeds the duck until it dies of obesity and a serrated liver <laughs> and then they grind the liver into a paste and then you eat it and that is crazy that that's is, what? that's serial killer stuff yeah and like gosh it's nuts and but every person we talked to were like yo isn't that messed up like i can't believe you guys do that and they're like oh huh it's so good. <laughs> I mean, dude, if that's how they had to make the McChicken, I I don't dude, know if I'd be marching in the streets. Dude, can you imagine if the McChicken was made unethically? White girls yeah, everywhere. Yeah, can you imagine would... if the McChicken was made unethically? I'm sure it's super ethical right now. Well, it's amazing. Like, it's so easy to be on your high and mighty moral horse, you know? But yeah. just the right thing in your life gets questioned, and then you're like... Yep. All falls apart. I yep. love the McChicken. Yeah. <laughs> how could you? How could you not? Like yeah. they're just they're perfect. Yeah. I'm excited to try foie gras though. I've never had that. <laughs> that time, was your takeaway. Yeah. Next time. Next yeah, time. Yeah. Anyway, that's like super screwed Spain? up that they're just like cramming all this food into the duck, <laughs> and then it just explodes and dies. Anyway, I'm super excited to try it. <laughs> I was thinking of making it well, myself. Bro, actually. like, dude. <laughs> Dude, I love the scriptures. I believe in the Bible. I believe everything it says. And there's this passage in Romans that it's like, hey, if you don't know that this food is not sacrificed to gods, like, it's not that big of a deal. <laughs> so, like... <laughs> okay. And Dude, I believe in the scriptures. <laughs> <laughs> Any food that's not sacrificed to gods. Um, oh yeah, I mean, this has been a great line of information. I'm going to move to a new question. <laughs> yeah, please And do. this one's actually a two-parter. So, so stay with me. Um, where do you land on the drunk driving debate? For or against? And then secondly, uh, what is your favorite episode of the Jeremy Seinfeld show? Uh, Wait, is his name Jeremy? Yes. <laughs> Jerry. Jeremy. No, we're saying the same thing. <laughs> we're all on the same page. My bad, my bad. You're right. Is I, Jerry I hear short it. for I hear Jeremy? I, I'm, I'm going to be honest. Like I was thinking about just like gaslighting you into whatever you were saying. No, his name is Jerry Seinfeld. Jerry's not short for Jeremy. Well, okay, it is so short Jer for so Jerome. Jerome. Jerome Seinfeld. Oh, Jerome, Jerome makes Seinfeld. so much more sense. Um, uh, strong anti-drunk driving. Boo. <laughs> Our wow. listeners are not going to like this. <laughs> you heard it here. Just taking a hard stance <laughs> against drunk driving. I have to put the explicit label on this one. True. Oh, man. Oh gosh, um, I have not seen much Seinfeld. Um, I recently started watching it, and I want to appreciate it because Chris Rock said Jerry Seinfeld is the funniest guy alive, and so I was like, I want to oh, do must this. Be true. Yeah, I just well, it's like yeah. one comedian that's really famous for me, a comedian respecting another comedian. So I was like, all right, yeah. Um, the laugh track's very hard. My wife really dislikes watching it, so it's it's got something I got to like pursue on my own time. Is so it because of the laugh track? Yeah, and we're. I I am trying to appreciate it because like it's it's classic and lots of people like respect it. But the the like da -dun the setup punchline jokes mm -hmm. and like the weird like isn't that crazy like yeah. that humor is 
tough for me. Mm-hmm. I'm in it more. And I'm just like, I'm really interested in TV writing. So I'm trying to get my classics. So I'm trying to do it. Yeah. Just found out Cheers is supposedly the best pilot ever made. So I'm like trying to watch Cheers yeah. now. And I've, I've heard in the same vein that like The Sopranos has the best ending of any show. Nice. I don't know. I've never watched it. I've actually never watched any of these shows that we're talking about right now. Thank you. I've seen the ending of The Sopranos, but I'm not going to (laughs) say (laughs) it. Thanks, bro. Dude, uh, in the end of Lost, they're actually all dead. Thank you. <laughs> Did you watch Lost? I haven't, but I uh, I already oh. I already knew. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Was, I mean, you've had like ten ago. years. To yeah, watch yeah. The show. If I was gonna do it, I was yeah. gonna do it. <laughs> <laughs> Are you about to play us your favorite episode of Seinfeld? No, no. Okay. I was waiting for a good moment. Say something comedic. Um, something comedic. What's the deal with slam poetry? <laughs> <laughs> We were talking about it. I mean, and I was just like, it is, it's hilarious because it's like, it's so insulting. Yeah. To be like, hey, idiots, laugh right now. This is the joke. We put other people, and it's like, (laughs) 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 it's just like, why, why is that a thing? Also, that's one of my midnight facts to come. I just, I just have this idea that the live studio audience is trapped, and there's only one. And there's like, a, <laughs> <laughs> there's there's some sort of like Hunger Games scenario where they're gonna like try to get out. <laughs> that's awesome. That's cool, bro. Even if you just did an episode of the Midnight Facts, that was that on loop for five minutes. <laughs> I'd watch. I I would watch. I'd probably turn it on on my drive to work every day. I love that. Like every day, no exaggeration. Amazing. (laughs) Johnny can see me. I'm like ominously holding (laughs) the Seinfeld laugh track, like waiting to play. And he's just looking at me like, is he going to do it? (laughs) I'm like giving him the nod like, yeah, you got it. And the thumbnail is just the largest Seinfeld logo. It's funny. It's kind of like waiting for your execution. You know, yeah. like you're lined up and you know mm-hmm. the Seinfeld laugh tracks. Yeah, come, it's like you that, uh, uh, dude. Uh, he says, you know what I hate about lines? <laughs> <laughs> True, dude. He would hate being executed in a line. Yeah. yeah. Um, terrible. Long long wait time. He would you're so that. sweaty with the socks and yeah. you're like, I'm going to be late. Everybody here smells really bad. <laughs> Wow! Oh my God, Jerry Seinfeld's here. (laughs) Jerry, it's me, (laughs) famous comedian Jerry Seinfeld. Anyway, Jerry has to go now. (laughs) (laughs) Goodbye, everybody. Thanks for having me on the podcast. (laughs) Thanks, Jerry. Get copyright striked for sure. Oh yeah, actually, (laughs) yeah, I probably should edit that out. It's okay. It's our first episode. (laughs) They they won't strike the first episode. Uh, Public use. That was for criticism and parody. Yeah, yeah, thank you. There we go. Thank you, Chris. That was dude saving me once again, bro. (laughs) I had to. I had to read about it yesterday. For why? Uh, man and I were working on a magazine, and we were gonna like put some like stills from like New Girl in it, but it, but it's like about. I mean, it's like writing about that. So like, mm-hmm. we were like, I think this is legal because it's like criticism. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Positive criticism. That's right. very funny. But yeah. How, so how does how does that work? You're making a magazine. I I don't know. I'm supposed to tell anybody that. Oh. Okay. Um, well, um, mostly we're just like trying to get ourselves off social media and the internet more. It's been really bad for me in a lot of different ways. And, yeah. And uh, also like no tinfoil hats, but like pretty concerned about AI. Um, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so we're just like trying to get off social media more, and then also, and I have a whole bunch of reasons, but uh, and then also like trying to just like create 
space for other people who like, if, if you want to stay in touch with what we do, we don't want you to have to be on Instagram or have to be on Facebook. Um, and it's just like a fun thing. We grew up with magazines, super fun to like get something cool and thoughtful. And I'm like obsessed with the idea of like, like some of my like most sacred, I don't know, have the right language, but like these like sacred holy moments with art of like, like there, like this, I'm standing on a rock and I exist and who the heck even knows what that is. And I'm 93 million miles away from the sun yeah. and space is an endless void. And like, I'm hearing this song and I, I feel like I like see or know something about God and I like feel joy and like, that's incredible. And yeah. like, uh, I think that's like what art's about. And so like, I love the idea of anything that can't be tracked that can't be quantified that can't be put into a statistic that chris burnsworth played over 500 shows in 48 states and six countries like yeah. like like this kid messaged me one time i was like i listen to your cassette every day on the bus and i was like that's amazing no one will ever know dude and it's like just between you and and like the cassette and you i'm not even there and like the that's incredible you and god bro it's so sick yeah. yeah so like like trying to create more like tangible experiences because like i'm i get really exhausted with the like the music rhetoric because I get like I can hear it because I paid so much attention on how to try to make it to try to make it a career but it's like oh you want to you know one in every 10 posts you want your ask and you want to have seven posts that are just like showing parts of yourself so your audience can get to know you and and it's just like the commodification of people through like parasocial relationships and it's just like I can't do it it's (laughs) I really like I can't think of anything more draining yeah like truly yeah it it's it's crushed me it's brought out all sorts of sinful things in my heart that god needs to help me with like jealousy comparison laziness the dopamine addiction of scrolling like and confusing like posting content because i was really worried in the pandemic like we were really tired i had been touring my entire adult life since i left college and i was just i was just tired like a lot of hard stuff had happened and then i was also just tired and amanda was tired and i didn't want to have to like manufacture weird nonsensical dancing monkey content to try to like juggle my reach so that in six months or a year or two years when I put something out somebody might pay attention to it it's just like that's that's exhausting and like I no one should pay that much attention to me like like yeah like Christ is the only one worthy of attention and it's like it's it's like baffling and horrifying to think that like like I have a poetry degree and a history degree and a minor in German. I am like legally qualified to take government assistance and nothing else. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, like it's in like the concept of like you should listen to my voice about the things I have to say about everything. It's like that's yeah. terrible. That's terrible advice. Yeah. And so like we we're just trying to find ways to like get out of that and then, and then just yeah. be like, here's some stuff we think is dope. Also, we're gonna be on tour. Here's the dates, and it just comes in a magazine, and it's fun, and it's hopefully not manipulative because like all that stuff even when you're like you really mean it and you're not trying to be a jerk there's still a little i can't like not hear it in my heart where i'm like you type oh what do you think let me know in the comments it's like yeah i don't care like i mean i I do i like my friends a lot yeah Yeah. but like i don't i don't have time to read 36 comments about your opinion about my joke your opinion is seinfeld laugh track of like yeah of like content you know it's like forcing you to like engage yeah yeah and, and the engagement is only so that the algorithm thinks that you like my page, so it yeah. sends you more of my posts. So really, it's just like there's gonna be like one show flyer that applies to you like once every four to six months. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, like, serious. Yeah, it's just like such a mess. And I really applaud and am so grateful for people that can do it well and don't feel like they want to commit suicide or like uh, just like they're melting into the the destruction of a void. Like, yeah. 
I have friends who can use the internet really well, it seems. Like, that's so sick. But yeah. I just, like, I can't. Like, it's yeah. too it's too hard. It I try, hard. and I just, like, am not. It's not for me. I sincerely hope that every... <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's so good. That's, that's sorry. You're um, brilliant. Johnny, that was take a, ask a real question. I'm going to piss. Okay. I I sincerely hope that everything that you just said tr- is the trend. I doubt it will because the internet is this uncontrollable monster. But I really, really hope that everything you said kind of just starts to trend upwards. Because yeah. I, I can't do it, bro. I yeah. can't do it. It's... It's it's a disease. Yeah. It has to be. It has to be some type of disease. It's it's so rough. And and I, I hear people say like, oh, like, you know, Instagram didn't make you insecure. You were insecure, it just brought it out. And I'm I'm like super willing to accept all of that. Um but yeah, like I it, there's just like so many problems with it. There's so much wasted time, like the destruction of attention span. Um there's this painter, oh man. I think his name is Makoto Fujimara. I always mess up his first name, but um, we like, so my teacher, Dr. Feinstein, he taught me poetry at like coming college in Williamsport, Pennsylvania, uh, real small. Um, but Dr. Feinstein, I had, we have this, I mean, I had this crazy privilege to just attend this talk he did on abstract expressionism, um, which is this like form of painting that I just like had never been able to find a way in. Like I didn't understand. And his painters, are, his parents were both abstract expressionist painters and, he gave this talk and the thing that was really crucial was he was like oh we don't ask a sunrise what it means like we just experience its beauty yeah and i thought that was so powerful and so then amanda and i became really interested in abstract stuff because we finally like had this way to like interact with it and then we got exposed to makoto fujimara and his paintings were some of the first that amanda and i just like had an emotional connection to that it wasn't some like academic like oh i see that it's beautiful or it's wrestling with this like yeah. we just like felt the paintings and he has this idea of slow <laughs> art that i think i'm not really well read on what he all of his ideas but the central idea i think is that like the test of art is if you live with it for 20 years and like what does it do for you yeah and he talked like he has a painting he posted one day that was just like we keep this painting in our house and i've been waking up to it for for years and i think that is like so powerful and transformative because um, like the scrolling like our attention spans are so short but then something that like really makes you work for it like there's so many bands or things that like i didn't get at first glance but then like later i got it and i'm yeah. so glad they like stayed around with me yeah. even a makoto painting i was looking at i was like oh i don't like this some too many squares sure. but but i stayed with it just for like a second longer and then i was like oh there's like a dissolution at the bottom of the canvas uh, <laughs> yeah. and the squares are coming from the top and it was this like like God bringing order and I was like oh this painting rocks yeah. but it like forced me to sit with it like I couldn't scroll and I wasn't in like a a circular void because like the TikTok algorithm is like premised on the idea that we know what's best for ourselves and by like literally every aspect of humanity for probably all of time we clearly don't yeah. And, and like, like I'm obese and distracted and lazy right now because I don't know what's best for me. Right. Like, and, and or if I do, I refuse to choose it. So the idea of a social media or an entertainment platform that's going to constantly give us things that we like and learn what we like more to give us more of what we like, like that's not a recipe for growth or good things. That's yeah. a recipe for like hedonistic destruction. Dude. <laughs> it's terrifying. And I mean, you know, if you use TikTok well, like I'm not trying to like 
cancel TikTok, but like Bro. the premise behind it is like really bad. Dude, I mean, yeah, I'm trying to cancel TikTok <laughs> for sure. Like, dude, I I don't know the full context, but ironically, I saw it on TikTok. There was a. The, 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 <laughs> <laughs> I know. This, uh, is, this is our world. Yeah. The the guy, the owner operator of TikTok, um, was just in court and he was subpoenaed for uh like their allegation like not the allegations like their terms and conditions are wild they kind of like the the terms and conditions when you say yes to them it allows tiktok to more or less go into your phone look at your contacts look at the keystrokes that you're typing in your contract content it's insane (sighs) and um he was being questioned about what kind of safety precautions there are to prevent like an eight-year-old from seeing uh terrible content on TikTok, whether it be pornographic or violent or anything because they don't have any restrictions more or less like that. And this dude is being questioned about all of these safety measures for children and it more or less boils down to like, well, their parents should be watching it in the first place. Which is like, I can name a hundred more uninvolved parents than I can involved parents. Yeah. At least when it comes to a social world. So how how are you, how are, it grosses me out. It yeah. grosses me out, and it and it terrifies me that this that that TikTok. I remember when TikTok first came out, their 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 website and their marketing was just like. Do you remember the app that it was before? Like, what's the name of that app that TikTok was? Musically. Yes. Do you remember Musically? I've heard about it. Okay, yeah. it's more or less just an app where there's. It's it's what TikTok is now. There's small sound bites and you like sing along to it. And when TikTok was first coming out, that's what they would push. Like that th- those types of videos are what they would promote. And then people started downloading it and downloading it and the algorithm was crazy. You're able to make tons of impressions, way more than you could ever make on Twitter or Instagram. And now it's the monster that it is. Yeah. Um and I don't think our country or the well being of our people have improved like at all. At all, at all. I know that's more or less what you're saying, but even st- like, <sighs> well, yeah, and it, it's tough because people feel happy with it, and and it's like the mixed bag that's like hard to have nuanced conversation with of of like certain people, like lots of good things have have come from it, and it can be hard to like draw the line of like, um, oh, maybe maybe some good things happen from it, but like maybe the thing behind it still isn't great, and yeah. but it can be like hard to separate those things or those choices. Yeah, it's uh, it's super spooky and like, yeah, it's tough to know what to do. This guy spoke at my college um, when I was there, and he was talking about it was like right when apps. I'm, I'm kind of old. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was when like apps were first coming out, and he was he was like a some sort of analyst person, but he was like, oh yeah, like apps apps were free to to get everyone in the habit of using apps because yeah. like when smartphones first came out, like no one had ever seen an app, no one knew what an app was, but like. All apps, pretty much all apps, were free to like get you in the habit of using it. And then once you're like, essentially, I mean, addicted is such a strong word, but like essentially, once it's like programmed to be part of your life, which the McChicken's dope, and then we all know it's bad for us in so right. many different ways. But we don't want to give it up. What do you it's mean? A, yeah. <laughs> 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 but I mean, that's the thing. Yeah, it's like we we know it's bad for us, but it's a dollar and it's dope, and yeah. so we want to keep doing it. And there and some person is like, they give jobs to people. Rah, 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 and and there's like this huge smoke screen, but like then behind it, it's like, oh, we're uh, killing ourselves, <laughs> like, like more or less. But we're already like programmed into it. And the yeah, the guy was like, oh yeah, we just apps are free, and then they're just like a buck ninety nine because you're like kind of used to it. 
but you're also used to it. So then when they start wanting your location or wanting whatever, it's like, oh, well, it's like not that big of a deal. Not really doing anything. Who's going to pay attention? Dude. But then you like keep sliding down. John Oliver said this uh, about net neutrality. He was like, yeah, man, if you want to do something truly evil, just make it so boring. And you can do anything because, like, literally, no one has an attention span to pay attention yeah. to deal with a nuanced, hard thing like that. So, like, you just bury it in terms and conditions, and and you put, <laughs> yeah, you just put a bunch of attractive people doing six second things that are funny or musical, and then you're like, this is pretty fun, and then and then you're just in it, and it, it's like a it's like a hellscape, but 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 it yeah. but it looks nice, and yeah. sometimes people <laughs> click like on your stuff, and you're like, that's pretty tight, and then yeah. a couple of people are like, I make money from this, and you're like, money, you say, I hate my job, and so yeah. so you're like living in this hellscape, but it's candy colored, so you're like, ass, all right. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> it's so scary, dude. It's so scary. And now here we are doing the most the the antithesis of TikTok. Just three dudes. Yeah, doing long form. Yeah, this is what fighting the power looks like, dude. Uh, I do think though, like I think that one of the biggest problems with with TikTok, especially, is that there's no competition in the market. Like there's no alternative, so they can put whatever in the terms and conditions, and then they can say something like, "Well, if you don't like them, just don't download it." Right? But you do you have a choice, really? Like if you're 13 and all your friends use it, like you don't. There's no alternative. Like it's not like you know at the store if you don't like the guacamole you're buying, you just go buy a different brand. Like there's no or make your own, but no one make can make your own, own TikTok. That, True. Yeah, that's it's why I'm like, on. It's, it's it sucks. And that's why I'm on. I I thank God I, I skipped Snapchat. I was just well, and I thank God more that like I'm glad that somehow as an artist I missed. I just like got away with not doing it because that was another like you got to do it. Like people yeah. are on it. You want to connect with your fans. Mm. Um, and I'm not doing TikTok right now. I'm hoping that's gonna work. I've been really tempted because you get really connected and be really Dude, cool. Yeah. Uh, and their payouts, like like we know we're just talking about the making money thing. Their payouts are way better than most other social payout. Algorithms. And that's the thing, you know, like it's dope, you know, and then they're just doing shady stuff behind maybe, but like same, but same with Facebook, same with Instagram, same with all of it. And there we do live in like a weird time where like, if you're an artist, you feel like you need all these things to make it. And that, that's actually where the magazine idea came from too, was like, I complained and complained and complained and Amanda was fine. And we we're just in the house in the pandemic and Amanda was like, okay, listen, you don't need to do it, but like you gotta do something. Cause if you're gonna write these poems, yeah, and you're, and we do a bunch of like obnoxious like counter capitalism things that like <laughs> that like make it even harder for people to encounter my work. And so then she's like, "If you're not going to do that stuff, like you got to do something." And right. so we're like, "Okay, we're going to make a magazine." Yeah, <laughs> it's like that is uh, an irrational and archaic response. But like, yeah, yeah but it makes you cool. <laughs> it does make honestly. you cool. Oh, thank God. I, I honestly like some of my favorite artists of all time, and even some people that I know a little bit do like they got started doing magazines Sick. or like they did I, I think they're just called zines and they're yeah. just like really small yeah. like yep. like I, I think it's dope because i can't do it and this actually is a perfect segue to my next question um obviously facebook and tiktok and instagram and all this stuff is very draining okay but then i look at someone who makes zines and i go that's brilliant i don't understand it at all and I probably could never do that. Therefore, it fills me up because there's someone else that can do something that is totally outside of my scope. Yeah. And that's honestly why I like your work so much because I don't understand it, but it's beautiful and it's something to behold as beautiful, right? Um, so 
how do you find that type of thing in your life? And how do you engage with that stuff? Because you do you do a lot, but like, what is like that one thing where if like you're feeling not inspired by anything, but you know that you need to be constructive to be happy, more or less? How do you how do you fill yourself up creatively? Um. Oh yeah, I, I do real quick. This is my own little TED talk. Thank you yeah. for coming. Uh, it's a micro one or mini, whatever they're called. Yeah. Um, a zine. You, uh, you do want, it's a zine. This is a zine. zine. talk. <laughs> if you've never heard of a zine, this is what a zine is. Yeah. Um, and yeah, gosh, that's so good. <laughs> um, you, know, you So you keep saying you don't understand poetry, but you think my poetry is beautiful. So now I just, I, I, you don't need to think you like poetry, but I think there's this like grand conspiracy orchestrated by no one, but it just happens that like everyone is just like made to think that they don't get poetry because some teacher beat you over the head with author's purpose in like 10th grade about an Edgar Allan Poe poem. Yep. And mm-hmm. then they're like, okay, uh, that's poetry. Uh, but the real thing is like, so like my wife, she was very scared to marry me because she was like, I hate poetry. And, and, <laughs> but she said the same thing you did she was like oh but i really like your stuff and we have a friend named christian welch and christian welch is like one of the best to ever do it i don't i don't i've never seen everybody but like christian welch is so good and i he's better than almost everything i've ever seen like it's it is unbelievable mm-hmm. um and she really likes christian and so then it was like oh so like you like poetry it's just like some poetry is not for you or whatever and i think anyone that can like look at a poem and see and recognize like, oh, I think this is beautiful. This gives me language or like this moves well, or I can treasure this. I think mostly people haven't been allowed to like poetry. Yeah. Um, there's a poem by Billy Collins where he's like, all of my students think to read a poem, you have to tie it to a chair and beat it for a confession. And Dude. I'm trying to tell them to like water ski on its surface and like let the spray bathe them in the sunlight or something like that. Bro, that's so good. Yeah, yeah. And I, yeah. I think that's what poetry is. And so I think it's like a combination of like a lack of exposure to stuff that I think is good or or at least like able to be connected to. Because like the stuff that I like, like anyone could read. Matthew Dickman's probably my favorite poet. And he like, he's crazy smart. And he's like in the Norton anthology. He's like a poetry rock star. But like he's from a working class neighborhood in Portland and he always wants his poems to be able to be read by people from where he's from. Yeah. And so his poems have Wu-Tang Clan references and are about skateboarding and shoplifting and like the stuff that he saw as a person there. And so like, they're so good as poems, but then like people can attach to them. And so you, you probably like poetry. You probably just don't like stuff you've heard or you haven't been able to like uh, feel like you can connect to it or like maybe you know like I can be like oh this line works because of the the assonance or whatever right. um, but like maybe you don't have the tools for it but like you can you can just like poetry okay. if you dig it and that no correction no, I just no. like it breaks my heart because so many people just they just showed you one dusty poem and your teacher wasn't confident with it and so you weren't either and they made you feel dumb and then yeah. they moved on and it was like this is the worst dude I understand <laughs> so like you could take that sentiment and apply it to so many things in probably both of our lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and it's just, it's still true. It, yeah. It, it, yeah. Yeah. Interestingly, I think that like, like people engage with poetry constantly just set to music. So I think that like on a fundamental level, like <laughs> almost everyone does like poetry. Well said. They just like when it's written down, like, you know. Yeah. That's so uh, good. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's so good. But yeah. And, uh, no, sorry. I was just going to say that, like, I think, like, sort of what you were saying about, like, you know, like, you don't need to understand why the assonance of a line works to, like, I think that 
that's something that's gotten really confused with a lot of art forms, music, poetry, movies, whatever, film, yeah. uh, <laughs> is that um, we expect like viewers and consumers to need to understand the inner workings to get it. And it's mm-hmm. like, if the if the wheels, the cogs are working right, you know, you shouldn't need to understand, like, you don't need to take it apart and look on the inside. You should just be like, oh, this flows nicely. You know, you yeah. should need to know why it's all working the way it is. You should just know that it works. Yes. Right? So I, I think that that's that sort of intellectual superiority that's really come, and I, I'm not someone that engages with poetry a lot, but really to a lot of fields is like, a complete mistake like people should like like you were saying skate on the surface like people should be able to enjoy yeah the surface and not have to get underneath to like it yeah for real and and it's all got to be aiding like all the technicality needs to be like aiding the meaning and that yeah. like emotional yeah. working and then it can be rewarding like um you know like when you break something down and and, and something like incredibly technical is revealed or whatever mm-hmm. but like and you can appreciate that but like the song's got to be good. I feel like that band, do you guys know Tiny Moving Parts? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So like, I think that they're, they're an incredible band and like always have been, but then like the newer records, I feel like it's less like, look how good Dylan is at the guitar. And yeah. it's more like, yo, look at this dope song. Also, Dylan is great at the guitar. Yeah. Yes. And yeah. I feel like by like turning the technicality, not even down, but like they just like centered the song and then there's technicality. And so now you can like, now you you can just bop to a dope song, and then also if you're a music nerd, you can freak out about whatever yeah. super double yeah. tremolo. I don't know what he does. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, that's true. Um, but yeah, to answer your question. Yeah. I, uh, um, so I want to become a good reader. I'm not a good reader. That's like a literature poet guy sin. Um, but I really really love um, this lady Annie Dillard. I've only read a few of her works. Um, but I had this crazy experience. There's a book called For the Time Being, and I read it once, and I was like, this is the... It, it's like a ski across the surface. Like, I've showed it to two people, and both of them were like, I don't get it. And it's just like, <laughs> don't don't try to. Just, like, yeah. just like let it happen. Yep. Oh, for sure. Uh, she, like, weaves these, like, seven very disparate images together, and each chapter is about a different image. But as the chapters go on, she's weaving... Uh, meeting Chinese writers in the 80s in a field and seeing the terracotta army being excavated with sand dunes, with facts about clouds, with uh, Tayar is this like uh, Catholic monk looking for dinosaur bones in Mongolia in the 30s. And by the end of it, she's like woven it together into this like epic thing about like, what are we to make of our time here? And I think like reading her stuff is really inspiring. And then Amanda and I really love film and TV. And we've been trying to like press into that more um i'd be curious for y'all because you're younger Mm. and in some like different circles than me but my little like pocket of the diy world uh was like crazy supportive and crazy talented but everything was like so show oriented um that like and if you weren't doing and the music's very diverse and 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 very welcoming for diverse artists but and everybody lets me be there and my Mm. other poet friends but like um if you didn't have like a performance art, there like wasn't a ton of space for you. Like you could participate and dig like what's going on, but you couldn't, there wasn't a, uh, there wasn't a lot of easy opportunity to be like, Oh, I want to show a short film or I want to like show my paintings right. yeah. or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. More and, performance oriented. Yeah. yeah. Um, interestingly, I think it's completely flipped. I think that Dude. performance is dead. And we were just talking about this the other day, like mm-hmm. our band, like, we're trying to revamp it and get back into doing it. We were like, dude, we were playing like three shows a month 
and it was like for nothing. Like it would be for the same ten people, and yeah. we'd have to hawk the tickets, and it was like all a slog, and it didn't produce. But then you drop something on TikTok, yeah, and it takes no effort, and people see it. So I think it's like way easier than ever to just make an Instagram art account and dump your art on there, or like your poetry or your magazine or whatever, because everything can be digitally distributed. Sick. Yeah. Um, I actually think that shows are like I, I have seen bands online that are immensely popular and they don't play live. They yeah. release music. Yeah. They make little funny moments for TikTok and reels and whatever. They don't yeah. play live at all. So I think I think that shows are kind of dying. And actually. even more so than that, like when so before TikTok and before all of that, everything was show oriented. And yeah. you have like an unbelievable community that is family oriented. That is, at least in my experience, and you probably agree, a very rare thing. Mm-hmm. Um, at least in the Detroit music culture. Right. So like some of like, which is weird because some of the best friends that I've ever had in my life, I met doing local shows. Like Jack. Like yeah. Jack and I met at a show having never met each other before now here like what five years later five six years later um but on the flip side like and there's so many other people that that are like that like my friend jeremy from painted friends is the best uh my friend alec obviously um we played together for a super long time and then people like zach from metro like they're incredible people that's it though like not that is not it's those four that's it but like but when I take stock of people that I used to play with or people that like we used to be like, oh, they're great. Let's do a show with them. We don't have any connection with them at all. And even when we did play a show with them, it was very, it was very gatekeepy. And I think part of it is because everyone who comes from here thinks that they're going to be the next stepping stone in this long line of legacy musicians that come from Detroit right. when it's like you – and we're guilty of this too sometimes, is like, sure. you sound like everybody else. Right. <laughs> sure. Therefore, yeah. you're not really worth our time and we're kind of going to push you out. Yeah. You know? That's no, um, crazy. I've met 600 the next Jack Whites in the past like one week. It's so, like, dude, it's, like, un- like yeah. unironically, that's how it is. No, yeah, um, for sure. At least in our, at least in our city. Um, but I actually think like exactly what you're talking about is a reason people are moving away from like live performance into digital is because... I mean, we're all being told that we have to like step on each other to succeed. And yeah. like, we're all like, that's sort of the attitude that everyone holds. So collaborating to make shows is like, why would you do that when you can only help yourself by putting out YouTube videos or something? You know, like people are not as interested in the community elements anymore because it's so, like, all entertainment is so oversaturated. Like, we all pretty much know that if you're going to succeed, like, other people are not going to succeed. Like, you know, yeah. um, which is so strange. Because I would way rather explode and bring all of my friends with me. Sure. No, yeah. But it's just like, you know, I don't even know what I was talking about anymore. But <laughs> Well, no, you're just, you're just talking about how, like, everything's a competition. Yeah. Whereas it doesn't have to be if you don't want it to be. Sure. But, yeah, and I mean, this goes back to what we were talking about earlier, about how the nature of being an artist has completely changed, you know, and what it means to be an artist now is so different than it used to be. You know, it used to be you would show up and play a gig and hope that people listened, and now you got to be a social media manager, and you have to have an online presence, and you also have to be a comedian, and you got to run a podcast, and, like, it's just, 
it's exhausting and the average person can't do it and i think to really do it you really have to kind of you know sell your soul like yeah. and and i don't mean that like in that it's immoral to do it but it's like you there's no time left to be a human there's no time left to have yeah. energy to cultivate relationships after you've done your 20 tiktoks a day your youtube video your podcast your to just to you know maybe get 10,000 monthly listeners like yeah. You can't you can't be a human being and be an artist anymore. Which sounds which could sound a little hypocritical because he's So anyway, um, uh, Chris, yeah, yeah. Chris, do you want to plug but anything like, or like um, but but, uh, but for real like when we were talking about picking this project up again, yeah. We were like, "Hey, if we want to have any form of success, this is the type of thing that we have to do." Right? True. But I we didn't really say it when we were talking about it, but we kind of came I feel like we came to this unspoken agreement It's like, "Hey, if we're going to do this, and we're really going to buy into this system. Let's just have as much fun doing it yeah, as possible. Yeah, exactly. So like, so like, we're gonna. So we're doing this podcast, super low pressure, just like trying to hang out, trying to have fun, uh-huh. and um, we're gonna also try to do like a bunch of video, like YouTube content, but just of like right. fun stuff. Like yeah. there's a like like one video that we're definitely gonna do, hopefully this summer is there's a bunch of like abandoned frontier like ghost towns up near the UP, and we're just gonna go. And we're just gonna yeah. film, and whatever happens, happens, bro. You know, but it, but no, for no other reason than like we just want to have fun, yeah. and then show people that we're also having fun, and then hopefully yeah. that turns into someone liking a song enough to add it to a playlist, and then we like become friends with them. You mm-hmm. know, like if I if we if we do this, and I just get more friends, that's a win for me, more yeah. than anything else. You know. Yeah. No, I definitely think like if you're gonna pedal stuff online, you know, you should at least be having fun with it. Because yeah. when we were doing all the TikTok stuff, like. It was working. Like we mm-hmm. we gained good chunks of listeners every time a video would blow up. But I hated doing it every day. Yeah. And you know, like we would get a hundred positive comments and two that were like, "This sucks," and mm-hmm. I, that would ruin my day. I wouldn't yeah. even like, wouldn't <laughs> yeah. even see the other hundred. Like I would literally read through all of yeah. them. I would only process the two that were like, "This sucks," and then I'd get super upset about it. I hated doing the TikTok, but I felt like I had to. And so it's it's just better. Like if you're gonna pump out content because you kind of have to to be successful it should at least be content that's fun for you so yeah. this is fun for me yeah and, uh, but yeah and this this yeah that's that's it that's all we're trying to do it's just like have fun and put it on the internet yeah anyway. which, which even that sentence alone could be boiled down to hypnotism but uh but that's anyway, it. so now that we've interviewed ourselves for <laughs> twenty um, minutes, um, we, we are we've wasted so much at an time. hour forty yeah. on this one so, podcast. So I want to ask you one more question, and then we'll do a plug, and then we'll probably wrap it up. But yeah. um, uh, you are a poet, <laughs> and I think that your work is brilliant. Um, mm. and. I, I, if you know, take a shot every time I say that Chris' work is brilliant. But, um, I, dude, it's all joy has changed so much of how I think about life. Like, really, like I'm not even trying to like score points or kiss up. Like, I put that on regularly, and it's like it has to be from God because every time I listen to it, I and I, I don't know if this is like my bias or me growing up as a person, but I find something else that is beautiful or is relevant or is like oh i never thought about that sentence that way you know um and if there is anything you could tell us about that album that you think is special or anything at all like i i would love to know anything that i could about that 
record that maybe you don't talk about or haven't talked about before? If anything. Grace God, that's so nice. Uh, that's really sweet. And I really appreciate it. Um, yeah, so I... Uh... Oh. <laughs> I just um, I just leaned backwards and turned the gas on on Johnny's stove. Oh, my so, gosh. We're, rec- we're recording um, this in my kitchen and my table's all the way up against my stove because that's the, like, the closest we can get to power <laughs> without being like crammed and jacked It's going to be... It's gonna be hilarious in twenty minutes where I I'm, I play the Seinfeld laugh track into the mic and then the whole house just <laughs> it erupts in flames. Yeah. That okay. will be a good bit. Okay. Anyway, before you were so rudely interrupted. No, so. what, a, what a way to go. <laughs> um, to die is gain. Yeah. Uh, nice. <laughs> please, Lord. Um, yeah. So. Uh, it's all joy was like uh, I guess like the main sort of thing was it was I'd always wanted to do a record that um, so I did an album and then I did like a little EP of Love Poems and at the time I thought oh it's like my acoustic album and I like put these Love Poems there and then and I did another record and then I did uh, a single that was a Love Poem and I and always people were always like oh I love your Love Poems um, and, and it, it, they just like felt in my mind they weren't separate like um, it's like Song of, oh gosh, bad Christian, Song of Songs. Um, yeah. um, oh. Let's do it. It's part of the Bible. Yeah, yeah. What it says to me is like, it's in the Bible and like, I don't, like the Bible says that uh, a man should love a woman like Christ loves the church and, and so I mean, Christ got killed for the church. Uh, so yeah. there's, there's just like so much power in like the, the, the marriage covenant existence, whatever. Yeah. And then like God's like so powerfully reflected in it. Um, however, the Bible says stay single, and if anyone wants to talk about Which weird is... Christian pressures, we totally can. Yeah. <laughs> but um, what a dichotomy! <laughs> oh, it's wild, man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and I yeah, everyone's always beating you over the head with one verse, but not the other one. Yeah. Um, we all love the Bible except for the parts of it that we don't like. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Holding all that intention, the is... parts that cost us something. Yes. Yeah. No, those parts suck actually. Yeah. <laughs> oh um, man. Just got the Bible on shuffle. That's what I mean. That's what I yeah. People are sitting around reading the Bible with like scrapbooking scissors. And they're like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. by the time they're done with it, they've got about four pages. That they really yeah. like. And they're like, yeah, guys, yeah. these are solid. The hits. Yeah, the hits. Yeah, the hits. Yeah. It's just like the same phrase of like, God loves me. Yeah, John 3.16 like, is yeah. dope. Dude. Yeah, dude. Yeah, great scripture. Fire, fire. Yeah. And the other ones also. Shout out to yeah. them. For <laughs> and, and the other ones, uh, dude. Oh, that's so good. Uh, so yeah, I, I, well, actually, that's like a perfect segue. So I wanted my love, the love poems and the not love poems or whatever, to just like live together, and hopefully by placing them in one collection, it could just like root them all as like, hey, this is all about one thing, um, and it and it's all together. Um, and then yeah, I um, so like dirt and one. So swing was a poem that I, I wrote. Uh, it was like a scrap from the sidewalk kims, and I didn't know what to do with it, and I couldn't figure it out. So at the last minute, I cut it. Um, and my friend Sam had. Uh, it's called Slow Bullet now. It used to be called Spider Mansion, and he has this song, and it's it's probably only like forty five seconds of like actual content, and the song is like a minute and a half, but like it's the sickest riff and the sickest like little verse, and I love it so much. And it used to bug me because it wasn't a whole song, and my friend Luke was just like, "Oh yeah, but it's cool because like it just is what it is." Yeah. Um. And and that Luke saying that about Sam's song inspired me to just like put swing out like the way that it is is just this like. I just thought of it as a riff. It was just loud and wild, and then it's done. Um, 
And then dirt and one, I uh, were really important to me because um, my it's like probably too long to talk about, but essentially like my my really immediate friend group had uh, some of them had sort of fallen in with like word of faith teachings and and mm-hmm. this like yeah like essentially like if you just think about it right if you just believe enough like you won't have to suffer. Uh, you won't get sick. You'll never die. Yeah. Um, and, and it was it was well intentioned. Um, and, and I like like I'll pray for anybody for healing. I'll put hands on you, whenever, wherever. And I'm glad to do it. Uh, and I believe in it. And I think I've seen it. Um, but like it was just this like real. Uh, nobody would have said the things that I just said. Like no one would agree that that's like what we were saying. But like de facto, like that's what was happening. Sure. And. Um, yeah, so like my some of my friends had really fallen into this like false teaching that that was causing a lot of pain because people were starting to die. Matt Matt Chandler says like, oh, you really need to know the word because life's gonna kick you in the soul, bro. And, I freaking love Matt Chandler. And, yeah, and it was such a powerful word because like that's what started happening. Like I'm 32 and I like got to the point where my friends were old enough to start checking out of faith, to start checking out of punk, to start hurting. To I've got I didn't realize, but like suddenly I'd had enough friends that have had enough time to become alcoholics and then and then get clean and my friend's brother died and my friend's aunt died and there was just like all of this suffering and we were just like utterly unequipped to deal with it um because we were stupid and i still haven't read the whole bible and that's to my shame had a lot to say about it but haven't read it all uh so don't listen to me um (laughs) Yeah, just like just like we talk so much about God, but we really knew very little of Him, um, because we all love to talk about God and we love yeah we love the hits, we love the good stuff, we love the God that's going to give us stuff, and, and we love the God that's love and it's going to help us through the problems. But yeah, Matt Chandler's got this killer bit where he's like, yeah, we teach open in the mouths of lions, you know, like it's technique. He's like, oh, what I do is I interlace my fingers around the lion's throat, <laughs> yeah. and it's like. With the shoulder, and then his mouth just comes right open. My book's in the narthex, 1999. Like, <laughs> dude, dude, it's and, so real. And he's like, yo, like, check the rest of the verse. Like, like they lived in holes, and they didn't have clothes. And, like, and I hope I'm not butchering the verses. Right. But, like, like the world's not worthy of them. And I think the, the call to Christ is a call to suffering. Um, and I don't want to suffer. And I, I still don't even understand how to pray about that. Like, I know to suffer is a blessing, but and yeah. God says that. But, like, I don't want to. Uh, but I'm willing and help me, Lord. Right. Um, well, the, yeah, Jesus exemplified that perfectly in the garden, man. Right. And and that that central. So, like, we had a – gosh, yeah. It's, it's hard to talk about because I don't want it to be, like, too personal for, for folks. But, like, right. um, yeah, like, we, we were praying for people not to die. And then – and then it's just so important to know that, like, God, through the mystery of the Trinity, like, God himself asks himself not to die, and he says no, and so he dies. And and there's just, like, so much pain and so much peace and kindness and commiseration in this, like, horrific thing where God gives the answer that he himself does not want to hear. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, like, I, God has been so kind to me. Um to like be so lost and so ignorant and and to like so often be living on this faith that's like not even a toothpick supporting it um and then to somehow like draw me into his kindness which is he is he's outside of me and he gives me answers uh i don't want to hear sometimes but they're always good even if i don't understand how they're good um my friend kevin said this thing one time that just like wrecked me because our friends 
are in this band called Fox Hollow and Fox Hollow yeah. Rips. Uh-huh. They're so good. Yep. Um, but they had this song that, about Judas, and like the premise of the song is essentially like, "Hey, Judas, like it's cool that you betrayed Christ. Like somebody had to do it. You're forgiven." And we were on tour, and I was just like riding with Kevin, and I didn't. I was just like, "Ah, yeah, that just like feels weird. I like don't know why." And Kevin was like, "Oh yeah, well it's like weird because because." we like want that to be the truth but like when jesus is asked about judas he says it would be better if he was never born and that's not the answer that we want jesus to give right yeah uh and that's so heavy and then that night kevin was talking and and i was just like wrecked you know i came from like uh people are good and if you just like we're all pretty good and god's good like like just like like totally divorced from reality um and (laughs) i uh i was talking to kevin and we were talking me and my friend evan like from fox hall we were talking to kevin that night and we're going to sleep and kevin was like oh yeah when we say god is good what, what we usually mean is just that god would do what we would do um, yeah, but God yeah. is self-defining, so like w- whatever God does is good because God is is good. Like God yeah. defines what good is. Yeah, that ruined me because <laughs> yeah. I was like, what? What am I out here? I was 24. I was on my first like big full U.S. tour, just like burning my life to the ground, like wasting all this time that I could have been making money or building a career, just like trying to tell people about Christ. And I was like, if you're going to save, we're going to save. What, what am I even doing out here? (laughs) And it was so hard, but I, and I went through this spiral where I like didn't stop believing in God, but God just like tore out all of my foundations. And I was just, and he's just like, I am good and I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And like, I feel like he just like started conforming me to himself. And, and I think it's all joy was like trying to say true things to my friends that, that had gotten so lost. Cause like we had friends in the word of faith stuff. We had friends that, uh, deconstruction hit my friends really hard and, yeah, and me too. Yeah. And, and like they are starting to fall away and just like, trying to say something true and then there's always like the christian evangelical war machine that needs to be (laughs) broken down and and yeah yeah, and i remember my friend during the pandemic being like are my only options like to to deconstruct and not be a believer or to like be a no mask no vax trump guy (laughs) like like, are there is there any space for me especially when it feels like the bible is like drawing i need to some third way and so i i hope it's all joy would would be that um and then doing this is on there um the my friend josh mozig i owe so much of my life to josh mozig and uh he rocks bro such a gift and he's done so much for me like so much we could do a whole three-hour podcast about josh's effect on my life and i'm so grateful um but he did a thing called holler and poets where we like really he did it with a few different poets but we broke down all the poems for it's all joy um we talked about doing this and i I didn't realize it until my friend Kevin said it. Um, but the poem is just about my, my mom lost her eyesight and, yeah. and like rest, like watching my dad try to like wrestle with her through this really hard thing. And the end line is you don't have to see. Um, and one year at this festival called audio feed, Kevin was like watching my set. And then he was like, Oh yeah. Like we so often like take on these burdens that are ours. And, and part of faith essentially is like, like you don't, have to see like you don't necessarily have to understand it all or have an answer for everything or whatever you just have to like stay here with christ because he's the good shepherd and we know his voice um and trusting christ to like lead us through these hard things and be what we need um 
yeah so I th- and i think that that's what i was going for with it's all joy and then and then this just that yeah like all of it can can be joy because all of it can be god's plan and it's good even yeah. when it's not what we want dude i think you nailed it sick in the album, <laughs> Praise God. i think dude i think you really nailed that in the album and like we talked about i'm super ignorant but you just been saying that paints so many of the lyrics and the lines that I already know in a completely different light and it's like oh yeah I get it like, you know, I, know, I know exactly what you're trying to say now you know Sick. like like the parts you know what I'm trying to say like it's not yeah. that I, I don't want to say that I didn't have a well I don't know I, this is I've already fumbled over my words enough bro I think you murdered it on ah, that one. Dude. it's brilliant it's brilliant um, I'm not going to take up more of your time um, but you have to come back That'd be great because there's like we did so fun. There's so much that I didn't that we didn't get to talk about that I want to talk about. Um, But for the sake of you and our listeners, not trying to beat them over the head with a a four-hour podcast, we just had to break it up into a couple episodes. Yeah. Um, Sorry, but uh, dude, thank you for sure. You rock. It's an honor. You rock. It's been a pleasure, dude. Thanks, guys. Guys, um, if you're listening to this, please wherever you can. Go find Chris Bernstorff. Uh, that is Chris. Oh wait, no. Let me take this. I want to do. Okay, do it. Do it. Do, 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 do the do plug. It. Yes. Okay. Please. Don't go find me. Here, here's the real thing. We were talking about culture, and the live shows are dead, and everything's dead. Here's the thing. Just, just go make the thing that you want to see. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I listen to this this thing called the Punk Rock NBA, and he's talked a lot. It's embarrassing. I was 30 years old before I realized this, but he always talks about like, oh, this artist when they came out was hated because they're doing something that nobody liked and nobody thought it was cool but they're doing something new and then 10 years later everyone's like does the best brand ever dude yep uh, I'm, if you are a person who says they like Slipknot I'm looking at you because yeah. Slipknot <laughs> was not cool when I was in school yeah. I remember yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah but that uh, it, it just finally clicked of like oh if you don't if you don't like it you, you just like don't have to do it and like that's something I'm really trying to Amanda and I are like praying about and wrestling with and clinging to uh, we give our art away for free um, and I, I'm just like tired of trying to like compromise with the world or whatever, or compromise with like people who this is just how it works. It's like, nah, I'm just, just not going to do it. Yeah. And, and you just go do your own thing. And so much of my life has been shaped by really, really humble and bold people who are just like, I want my town to have good art. Uh, I want people to have my art. I want this to be accessible. I don't have what I need. Josh Mozuk had a 700 square foot house and often not a lot of money, but like, played some of the best shows of my life met some of my best friends like had some of my like most treasured experiences in this this shabby 50 year old 700 square foot house like yeah. you don't you don't need anything but a willing heart and you can just ask god to use you and then you can just go do it and you gotta you just gotta square up and fight for it and it's hard and it's scary and i don't have a lot of answers on how i'm gonna make my life work but i uh yeah, I just like really want to do something different. So my wife and I are just trying to do something different. Um, you can totally do that. Don't look my stuff up. Just go do something different. Yeah. Pioneers. Yeah. You guys are pioneers. And it's scary and it sucks and people will be confused. But like I realized like stop. I was so embarrassed by what I was because I like poets are supposed to publish in magazines and then you get an MFA and then you maybe get a doctorate and then you teach. And I was yeah. like, nah, I'm going to sleep in a van. <laughs> like, yeah. And then it was like, oh my gosh, like I do, I do like poetry for metal people and like they are weirded out by it. Yeah. But like, I don't have any credentials for poetry people. 
Um, and I give my art away for free and that's really confusing and no one knows what to do with that because it just like doesn't function. And I get it. Like a bit, Showbread said that. They're like, we felt bad for our label because we didn't care if we sold records. We just wanted to do what we felt like we should. And it's like, this is a poor business yeah. trying to help you foolish artist. And so it's so confusing. But then I realized like, oh, you don't, you don't have to apologize for it. You don't have to be embarrassed. Like it's just not for some people, but just like do like, let it be a blessing. Like I'm, I'm so grateful to have the opportunity to be like, I give my art away for free. Cause I think Christ is free. And I, I just want to like balls on the line, prove that I don't want anything from you. And like, and I love that. It's so sick. Like I love, and that, that I want to like treasure the weirdness of, of doing something strange and different. Um, yeah, because I think it's so valuable. Um, so yeah, you you can go do it. Like so many people made art and loved Christ and did weird stuff and put on punk shows and and told me I could do it and be a part. So like let this be the thing that says you can do it and you can be a part. Uh, living proof of that. Yeah. The wrong person for this, but somehow I get to participate. <laughs> <laughs> no, dude, I get it. That's good. So yes, do that. <laughs> Also, listen to don't Chris do it. Spotify. Don't do it. Um, Throw a show in your house. But well, you're having a show soon. Yeah, people should come to that. Yeah, June yeah. 23rd. It's at Dan Hassel's house. He's in the band Rosemont. Uh, my friend Kevin's playing that I previously alluded to. Yeah. Our friend Jacob Goins. I don't know how to say his last name. He's really sweet. Uh, he's from North Carolina. And then our friend Austin Stowozik. He's in Seaholm and shortly and he's doing his solo stuff and he like never does it so i'm very excited yeah um it's five dollars if you can but just come even if you can't pay dm anyone for an address that's involved they'll get it to you uh if you've never been to a house show this is the time i can give a whole ted talk about the importance of house shows uh as an artistic existence dude uh, and then we should do that do it we should yeah. do it i would love that i love house shows so much and they're so important and they transform my whole life yeah, yeah i never seen anything like it yeah, transformed me as a person. Yeah. <laughs> well, dude, we love you. We're thankful for you. Um, that's it. Thanks for listening, gang. Thanks, y'all. We'll see you yeah. soon. We'll see you soon, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> then I can just end there. <laughs>